0: God is
1: really on your side. And the reason why you're questioning me is because of the simple fact It seems like the devil is hitting you with everything that he can possibly do at you. Amen, amen, amen. Um, my name is Pastor Mike Robinson. Greeting to everyone. Uh, it's prayer time. Uh, I want to thank Uh, Dr. Tina Scott for allowing this time for us to come together in fellowship. Uh, I have the uh, responsibility today to introduce a great man in my life, uh, Bishop Keith Wayne Reed, Sr. Amen, somebody. I'm uh, Pastor Mike Robinson, Sr. Pastor of Greater Enon Missionary Baptist Church, and I've had the great honor of serving under Bishop Reed, for 20 years um, I want to share a little bit about uh, this great man of God and and then I'll turn it over to him to lead us into our fellowship today he's senior pastor of Sharon Baptist Church uh, this is his 39th year of pastoring the church Charlie he, he grew Sharon Baptist Church from several hundred members to at its peak to several thousand uh, members Uh, close to like 5,000, produced over uh, a dozen senior pastors that are now overseeing their own churches. He's advisor to mayors, judges, governors, and political leaders. He's an author. He's a motorcycle enthusiast. Um, He created over a dozen ministries at Sharon Baptist Church including marriage enrichment ministry Christian counseling ministry marketplace ministry for entrepreneurs and business professionals youth ministry new members ministry education scholarship ministry prison ministry and more he's founder of progressive holistic ministry of churches headquartered in Philadelphia founder of Sharon Bible Fellowship in Lanham Maryland founder of the annual Institute on Church Growth at its inception, it it became one of the most popular Christian uh, conferences in the state of Pennsylvania. A guest speaker and lecturer at Missio Seminary in Philadelphia, uh, a guest lecturer and speaker at Philadelphia Biblical University in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, and guest speaker and lecturer at Baylor University's Truett Theological Seminary in Waco, Texas. He's mentored hundreds of pastors and and church leaders across the country, and uh, he was responsible for the relocation of Sharon Baptist Church from a small church location out in West Philadelphia to a sprawling campus facility near the mainline section of Philadelphia. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so proud to present uh, my friend, my mentor, and father in the ministry, Bishop Keith Wayne Reed, Sr. Hear ye him! Wow! My goodness, <laughs> Pastor
0: Robinson sure knows how to make a nobody feel like somebody. I appreciate that. I think I'm going to have to carry you around with me, man. (laughs) And thank you for your introduction, brother. I appreciate it so very much. I want to thank all the sisters and brothers, the frontliners, the therapists, the counselors, uh, the nurses, and those individuals that have been doing a mammoth of a job doing this make that we all have been experiencing, not just in Philadelphia, but across this country. Um, As I shared with you before, that um, we have been experiencing a multi-level of pandemics that um, took place um, when the viral pandemic took place. It was not only a health issue, It was a social justice issue. It was a great division and a divide. It was a political mayhem and, uh, if you would, um, a pandemic. Uh, All of those things were participating and we were a part of simultaneously. And um, the stress of it all and the distress of it all Um, I think, through all of us in a tailspin. And we talked about how that we need to previously disengage um, using the biblical principles that came out of the Gospel of Mark last time we were together. And then we uh, saw how that Jesus and his disciples, after handling um, many pandemics in his day, And it was in one day that they were definitely, if you would, on the front line of hurts and disillusionment and fear and um, subjection to all kinds of maladies that he and his disciples had to address. And Jesus, being who he was, he literally... Took his disciples apart. Now we talked about that last time, but this time I find that there is a another issue that leadership um, also addresses uh, addresses rather, and um, and the interesting thing is um, there's nothing new under the sun. What has been done in the past. definitely being done in the present it's just another set of circumstances another set of people at another set of time when it comes to when it took place but the issue is still the issue and uh, Peter says that when it comes to God's word we have everything pertaining to life and godliness and we can be confident In knowing that we have more precious promises and so it is Um, I think one of the things that um, has affected all of us is this whole issue of experiencing distress and distressful things because we're living in a distressful time and we're not the first person that has ever, or the first people that have ever experienced such distress. I'm speaking about a passage that um, is very revelatory and, and very um, pragmatic in its application. About you as a frontliner, you as a counselor, a therapist, uh, a pastor, uh, <laughs> excuse me, a doctor, a nurse. Uh, whoever is on the phone, I hope I didn't miss miss anybody. Um, but you have, and probably are, and if you're not, you'll be able to take these principles and share it with somebody else, because there's always somebody in the bunch that has no idea what I'm talking about because they they have been exempt of this particular uh, situation. But but those of us that are here and we experience human things in this life, um, God has something to say about it. It, it is in the book of First Samuel, and it is the 30th chapter that we find these principles leaking from the biblical blueprint. I'm telling you, it is uh, so amazing to me. And in this context uh, of First Samuel chapter 30, we find here that David and his men, his mighty men, about 600 of them in number, they were uh, coming from one battlefield, and they were on their way back to their camp that was in a place called Zygmunt. And when they got there, they found out that the first thing the text lets us know is the distress of the situation. And this distress was, when they got back to camp, there was another group of people called the Amalekites who had raided David and his mighty men's camp, which um, was being occupied by their wives, women, children, and uh, relatives alike. And when they got there, they found out that the Situation was dire. Um, all of their family members were taking captive. the women and all who were in it, the young and the old. The scripture says they, uh, but they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went back to their way. And David and his men, when they got to Ziglag, they found it destroyed. It was destroyed by fire. Their wives and their sons and daughters were taken into captivity. So David and his men, they wept aloud until they they had no more strength left to weep any longer. Um, my, my my fellow co-laborers, um, I think you would agree this was a distressful situation. When they have gotten your family members taken away into captivity, uh, that led them into captivity, I'm sorry, and kept them captive, they didn't do any harm to them. But nonetheless, they took them and destroyed everything that they used and where they lived. It got so distressful that the scripture lets us know that they wept bitterly. They wept so bitterly that they wept themselves into a place that their strength was depleted. I'm quite sure you have had patients and clientele and associates that have found themselves in such distressful situations that, you know, they can't cry no more. They, they, they had no more strength to not only mourn their situation or uh, their distressful situation, that they were totally depleted of all kinds of strength, but also it depletes your rationale. Because the text says that the men, after they wept and they were in distress... They turned on David, the leader, and they had threatened to take his life because now they began the blame-shifting game. Uh, you know, when we're in distress, we've got to blame somebody for our situation, for our crisis, um, to try to get some sense out of it. So we blame it on other people. I'm quite sure you've seen that done if you have not been a part of been doing it, um, though they wanted to kill David. The interesting thing that I want you to understand about this is that several chapters before, when David was running from Saul, the same men came to David and they were in distress. And the scripture says that they were not only in distress, but they were in debt. They didn't know how they were going to make it, and they came to David looking to him to be, if you would, their way out, their answer to their questions, their deliverance for their deliverance. The same group now has flipped and taken another distressful situation, and now flips it on David. And I just want to say at this point that oftentimes the people that you do the most for are oftentimes the people that are least grateful. They are, they get spiritual amnesia, if you would, and they forget what you have done that made their lives better, counsel that you have given that made their situations change and became more palatable and became more workable because you gave them some sense to their nonsense, and you gave them some information to their distressful situation. And these same people will flip on you when they get into another set of situations or distressful situations and forgot. And they do forget about what you have done previously. But here is the turning point of any counselor, any uh, front therapist, doctor, uh, anybody that is on the front line, the thing that you must accept and understand that everyone will have... Distressful crisis and crises everyone will experience it. No one is exempt of it, but it is not what you experience that determines how you deal with it It's your response to it that determines how you get out of it. The Bible says this: when they threaten to to David in, when they threaten to kill him by stoning him, the Bible says that that's when his discernment kicked in. The first thing David said was, I want to talk to the priest, Abathar, and I want to tell him, listen, give me the ephod, because now I'm going into the of God to get my deliverance out of this distressful situation. He's the source of what I'm going to respond to. It's interesting that Saul in chapters before was in the same distressful situation um, with war and he Initially, sought God's perspective of it, but in First Samuel chapter thirteen, you go back and around verse fourteen, it tells you that God had withdrew Himself from Saul because of his perpetual disobedience, and uh, I think Saul dealt with schizophrenia from time to time in his own life, um, and God withdrew. His counsel, his access to him, his advice for him because of Saul's previous decisions and disobedience that Samuel the prophet had laid out for him to do, he violated it consistently. So God said, I'm going to get somebody that's after my own heart. So Saul, when he didn't receive anything from God, he went to a medium. And... He used the medium to conjure up Samuel because Samuel had died for many years. He was dead for many years, and he used he tried to get in touch with Samuel. The dead versus the God who is alive and the living creator. He consulted to the dead. And you know what the Bible says about that. Samuel told him that You know, the kingdom is taken from you, man. Um, He's going to give it in the hands of somebody that has a heart after God. And it was David. So David, in the same set of situations, the first thing that he does is he consults God. His situation was beyond his human ability and comprehension. So now he consults God all-knowing the wise God. He consults him. And the Bible says that God answers. And David is specific about what he asked God. The first question that he asked him was, can I go pursue these men? God responded and said, yes, you can go pursue them. He says, I don't know, okay, thank you for giving me that, but I got another question. Will I be successful when I pursue them? And the Bible says that God said, yes, not only do I want you to pursue them, but you also will be successful in defeating them and retaining and getting restored back all that you lost. The interesting point that I want to say to all of us this passage speaks to when it comes to deliverance, it speaks to the issue of deliverance is both by divine intervention and human responsibility. It's not either or, it's both. It's divine intervention or, in our world, intervention, but it also takes on a part of human responsibility. And the intervention was that God said that yes, I will be with you. Yes, uh, you will retain what you lost. Yes, you can go pursue them, but here's the human responsibility. You got to do it. You got to apply the information that I gave you for you to have transformation in your distressful situation. So, in summary, I think this principle of intervention and human responsibility, and specifically because of the biblical text, it's divine intervention and human responsibility, meaning this, God does not do it all. He causes us to participate in our own development and in our own deliverance or our own transformation. Paul picks up this very principle in the New Testament in the book of Philippians, where Paul says in chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, verse number 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your own Salvation with fear and trembling, verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Did you hear that? He says, you work out your salvation, but while you are working, God is also willing to work through you so that you can get what you're supposed to get when it comes to this issue of transformation of the soul and of the life of individuals. So it's not all God, and it's not all us. It's God and us. He will give us the information. It's up to us to do the application and watch it bring forth transformation. And anything that God asks us to do, we have the ability to do it. I'm sorry. We have the ability to do it. Anything he asks us to do, he gives us the ability to do it. Otherwise, he never asks us to do something that we can't do from a human perspective. Little illustrations of these, and I'm going to quit because there's so much more in this, but it deals with this issue of distress and handling distress um, in the life of an individual or in your own life as frontliners. that you remember in John chapter two, if some of you are not, I'm not going to take for granted. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So I'm going to give reference to it. John chapter two, Jesus went to a wedding and turned water into wine. They ran out of wine, but, but notice what he does in, that very chapter, John chapter 2. You have divine intervention, but you also have human responsibility. He says, Mary says to him, his mother says to him, they ran out of wine. Jesus responds and says to her, my hour's not yet. I'm not going to, you know, um, manifest who I am right now on your behalf. And she responds and says, look, y'all, whatever he tells y'all to do, just go on and do it. So Jesus says to them, there were six empty water pots there. He says to them, take the water pots and fill them with water. Human responsibility. That's something that they could do. He wasn't asking them to do something outside of their human ability. He asked them to do what they could do. And they did it. Then he said to them, now dip cup into the water pot and take it to the head butler of the uh, marriage. Notice again, they could dip water into the pot. They could take it to the head butler. But what they couldn't do is change the water into wine. Only he could do that. That's divine intervention. Lazarus, when he died, In John chapter 11, you notice there that when they took Jesus to the tomb, Jesus said to them, remove the stone. He could have waved his hand and removed it himself, but he did not want them to be a part, did not want them not to do their part in this divine intervention without taking human responsibility. The reason why he asked them to roll away the stone, because they were the ones that rolled the stone over the tomb at that time. He never asked them to do anything that they couldn't do. When he called Lazarus out of the grave, that's divine intervention. They could not do that. But when he came out the grave, he told them, unwrap him, loose him, and let him go, the King James Version says. The issue is this, the reason why I told them to unwrap them, because they wrapped them. So it shows, it proves, that when it comes to distressful situations, it's not all on God. But it's also not all on us. It's both, not one or the other. It's both in the same. And you will find yourself... Getting out of your distressful situations. I really cut it close this time. But that's what I pray that you or this will help you in these trying times and these distressful times in which we face as frontliners. I'm done.
1: Amen. Amen. We thank God, Bishop Reed, for your message today. Um, Quite edifying indeed, and uh, I want to thank Dr. Tina Scott for hosting this opportunity. Let us pray. Can you pray us out, uh, Bishop Reed? Sure. Sure.
0: Gracious God, our Father, we come in your presence in the name that is above every name, the name that every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess. We come asking you if you will be who you are. Father, You told us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help us in the time of need. And these are times of need. I pray for everyone on this solemnity. I pray, God, that you would give them what they need. Yes. But also show them not only what they need, but who they need. Yes. And then show us how to be responsible on our part on what we need to do with what you give us to do. Hallelujah. Help us to take the information, to apply it in our personal situations so that we can experience your transformation. Hallelujah. We ask you in Jesus' name and we pray the thanksgiving. Amen and amen.
1: Amen. God, amen. Bless, you. God amen. bless everyone. Take care. Amen. Amen.
0: amen. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Some I got pleasure.
0: My pleasure. I'm the type of the place to throw in the...